0: Welcome to Faith Point, the podcast ministry of First Southern Baptist Church of Prescott Valley, with Senior Pastor Carol Eldreth. Our goal is to allow our faith to intersect with real life. So let's join Pastor Carol today as he shares with us from God's Word. I want you to take out your Bibles, if you would, find the book of 1 Corinthians, and as you're doing that, uh, I hope that you notice that we have two new screens up here. They're a little bit larger than were were the others. If you're sitting in the back and you still can't see, at this point you're going to have to move forward. We're about at the limit of how big we can make those screens and and get them up there. But I want to thank the the nine guys who were here yesterday for half a day putting those up there and making them go. If you're not happy with them, come and see me and I'll tell you who they are and you can go talk to them. But, uh, but thank you guys for, for your hard work yesterday. And um, as we come to God's word, let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you for a new life that we find in you. And as we come today to think about that new life, as we come to think about what it means to live together in that life with other believers, that you would just speak to our hearts and lives. Let us see Jesus today, Father. Let us see him clearly. Let us hear his voice. We pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us today and if there are decisions that we need to make, changes in life that need to take place, that we might glorify you. Father, let that happen today in this room. Pray against Satan who doesn't want anything good to happen here, certainly. We pray, Father, that you would, that you would restrain him, that he would have no place here, no voice here today. And we'll give you glory and honor. For all you're going to do as we think about our Savior, and as we think about each other, and how we live. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. 1st Corinthians, that's what we're going through right now, and today we are in chapter 3. And we're going to start at verse 10. We're just kind of walking through the book of, of 1 Corinthians. And I'm in Ephesians, so that's probably not going to get us anywhere uh, anymore. So let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, starting at verse 10. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 17. And this is what we read. For you are God's fellow... um get the right place. By the grace of God by the grace God has given us, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, but who only um, as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know... That you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for you are that temple. Okay, uh, as we come to this passage of scripture, uh, I'm reminded of, of, of an ancient myth. And this is what the ancient myth is that mobile homes are attracted to bad weather especially tornadoes. And you agree with that? It seems to be true doesn't it? And especially if you grew up somewhere like in Tornado Alley of Oklahoma where our daughter and son-in-law and three grands, three of our grandsons sons live. You know, having tornadoes come through is a regular occurrence and they have a tornado shelter in their backyard and they have to climb into it every once in a while and wait for a while and then they get to come back out. Um, but you know and I know that, that, uh, that we've, we've seen that kind of damage uh, that takes place and, and so it's, it's as if that these tornadoes just seek out communities and neighborhoods where there are prefabricated homes, And it says, ah, I'm going to get them. And they go through and they just wreak havoc with those those homes, don't they? There's another ancient myth, though, that goes along with that. And that ancient myth is that these homes, these prefabricated homes, must be susceptible to the whims of nature... And that they just cannot be built strong enough to last. I mean, we we kind of make that what we believe. We say, okay, the tornadoes have a determination to hit prefabricated homes. and And if your home is prefabricated, it's just going to get annihilated. Because it can't stand up to those forces. And so we've seen the pictures. And maybe you've even lived in places where those big tornadoes come through. And then what happens next? Uh, When it's gone, uh, it looks a whole lot different in that community, doesn't it? Every year we see those pictures over and over and over again. So we believe those myths. But you know what? Those myths are not true. Those myths are just our fear of what might happen. And, but they're not true. The tornadoes don't have a mind of their own. And you can build a prefabricated house that will stand up to it just as well as a brick-and-mortar home will. So I didn't know you could do that. And with today's specifications... They will stand up to those kinds of forces just as good as most most any other will. And so the, the myths that we have are not true. But what is true is the fact that it will stand up if you build it to code. If you build that house to code, it has a really good chance of making it. So what is the code? The code is the building code. And if you're a builder, if you're a contractor, or if you're buying a house or having a house built, you're not always happy that there are building codes. Because they take effort. They take work. You have to pay some money sometimes. And you have, to, you have to have somebody come in and inspect your house, the building that's being done. And they'll tell you, no, that's not right. You have to do it again. You have to do it a different way. And we think, what a bother, until the tornadoes come along. And then we think, man, I'm sure glad I built that house, according to code. Otherwise, it might be across the street. It might be in Kansas somewhere. No, it's not in Kansas. It's someplace else, if we remember the Wizard of Oz. You know, it it, it just could be where you didn't expect it to be. And so the building code is not such a bad thing if you're living in that house. If you've invested all that money, all that time, all that effort, it is nice to know it's going to stay where you put it. But the same is true for our lives. That same kind of thing is true for our lives. If you build your life according to the code, you have a much greater chance. In fact, I'll say you have a guarantee, which no city is going to give you about their building codes, but you have a guarantee from God that if you build your life according to the code, that you will outlive and you will outlast whatever the world might bring your way. That's why we don't need to pray that God will make the storms go away for the persecuted church because they're always going to be there just like they're here in our lives. But God's guarantee is that we can outlast it. That we can sustain In the midst of that, through God's help. And you can, you can, um, and nobody, nobody is sure uh, uh, when the havoc is going to happen because it happens uh, to everyone. So you can't just say, okay, this is my week for it. It's just going to, you know, it's, it's, it happens. It seems to be random, uh, but it's going to come. But if your life is built according to the code, if you build according to God's standards that he gives to us, you will endure all the way to eternity. So what do I mean by building your life on God's building codes, according to his code? Well, Paul talks about it in this text today. As we're walking through, he, he's, he started to mention the, some things in last, and toward the end of last week's passage in verse 9. And he says, he says I want you to make some changes in your life if necessary. We're talking about good news for the not so good. For today and for however long it's going to take to get all the way through 1 Corinthians. Um, this is this is a passage of scripture. This is a book that was written to a church that was having a hard time. And today we're talking about together we build uh, verses nine or ten through seventeen is where we're at in chapter three. But the church in Corinth was a church that was that was was um, was certainly a lot like the 21st century church today. That's us not that many differences into how they believed and how they acted. And so they were a church that was disjointed and in many ways divided. They were a church that that was lacking a sense of purpose and direction. They were a church that was missing the point more often than they were getting the point. They were a church that was lenient when they should have been strict. They were a church that was inflexible when they should have been tolerant. They were a church that was focused on themselves when they should have been focused on the needs of others. And they were a church that was living for themselves when they should have been living for Jesus Christ. Sounds a little bit like the church today, doesn't it? And I don't just mean for Southern, I mean the church in, in, in general. But even sometimes it can happen even here at First Southern if we're not careful. And so that was the church Paul was writing to in the first century. But these words ring so true for us today. And so that's why we want to look at that. Because they were, they were a bit of a mess. But in spite of all those deficiencies that were in the church and despite of ours, Paul tells them and again and again, what? That they are a unique work of God. And that he is going to, uh, they are a work in progress. And he would see them through to completion. I mean, it sounds like they were a church that he'd just be well off just kicking out and saying, I don't need you anymore. But he said, I'm not giving up on you. In fact, I'm going to bring you to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. And so that's good news for them, and it's good news for us too, that God's not giving up on us. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 9, where we ended last Sunday, uh, Paul said this, you are God's building. You're God's building. We're not an accident. You're not an accident. God is building you. You are God's building. And this week, he expands that metaphor and he says this in verse 16, in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He says, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. And he would say the same thing today for you and I. That if we know Jesus Christ, we're his building, we're God's temple, and his Holy Spirit lives in us. But it's also true for churches. And so our church is God's building. And his Holy Spirit dwells in us collectively. And every church has its problems. Every church has its defects and deficiencies. Just as every family has its problems... And just as every Christian has problems because none of us are perfect and we still struggle with sin, but we are God's people and we are his building. We're his temple. And we want to make sure that we build on this building. I'm not, I'm not talking about... Um, uh, I'm, I, excuse me, I am talking about our lives together right now. How do we build on our lives together as God's building as God's temple? We do that when we build on God's building code. When we are then we're guaranteed to be stand to stand strong. So what is God's building code? What are the standards? What is the the construction standard? that he says we need to build on. That's what we're going to look at for a few moments today. We're going to look today at three standards, three building code standards that are requirements. And if we will pay attention to them, and if we'll build that way, then we'll see what every church and every Christian must consider in order to build a life that lasts for eternity. How do we do that? How do we do that in our personal lives? How do we do that in our corporate life as a church? How do we make sure that what we're doing is going to last for eternity? So here are three building codes requirement that were requirements that we're going to need to do. The first building code requirement is this, that we must make sure our foundation is solid. Make sure you're sol- you're, you have a solid foundation. Make sure it's, it is solid, um, heard I read about an evangelist a while back, and this evangelist uh, had had uh, was in columbus ohio to to share uh, in revival services and he heard about uh, a place on on the university of ohio 's campus that was, or, or was it, uh, the the in Columbus Ohio and he heard about this this University of Ohio uh, Art Center the 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 Wexner Art Center It was a popular gallery uh, and one day he had some time is so he's passing them by by the building and he decided to go in and look around and and when he did he had his guide that took him through and the guide said this he said said this art center was designed with Quote unquote, a postmodernist view of reality. So it's just a postmodernist view of reality. And when you look at that, you think some things just don't look like they make sense, right? In a building. And so the evangelist asked what he meant by that, and the guide said, The building has no pattern. There are staircases that lead to nothing. There are standing pillars that support nothing. The architects designed the building to reflect the random, meaningless, and often absurd nature of life. So, the evangelist asked the guide, he said, Well, let me ask you, Did they use the same philosophy of design when they were building the foundation for this building? And he said, Of course not. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) Nothing would stand if they didn't use a firm foundation. And if you build your life, if you build it on the idea that life is random and that it is meaningless, guess what your life is going to be? your life is going to end up random and meaningless and it's going to crash and burn. It has no other hope at that point. The good news is, is that it's not how we're to build. We're to build on a firm foundation, a solid foundation. And so we all know the essential foundation of any building how important it is because it does more than just keep the house above ground it does that and we need it to do that but it does such so much more that solid foundation when it's built according to code keeps moisture out of your house it keeps the cold out it resists the movement of the earth around it. And according to this old house, the guy's on there, a good foundation should last forever. But without a good foundation, the old, this old house guy says, you're sunk. That's what's going to happen. I know when Barbara and I were, were buying a house in Santee, the real estate agent kept taking us to houses that had cracked foundations. I mean, not just little cracks, but huge cracks. And he said, but this is a good buy. I thought, for who? And we said, we're not buying it. And he said, I'm not going to be your real estate agent anymore. And he also was a member of the church. And he said, I'm not going to be a member of your church anymore either then. You know, there were, there were houses on those same streets. There was one house that they had to, they had to jack up all the walls on the house. They had to tear out all the foundation underneath of it while the house was jacked up. And then they had to put a new foundation under it and then lay it back down and kind of rebuild everything. I thought, that's not going to save anybody any money because they saved a few dollars on buying their house. Without a firm foundation, you're going to be sunk. And that's the reality of the world that we live in. And a foundation has to be strong enough to hold a tremendous amount of weight. Someone has estimated that the weight of an average house in, with today's building standards and codes is 50 tons. Do you know how 50 tons is? Do you know how much that is? Some of you are going to say, yeah, I know exactly how much 50 tons is. You're going to say 50 tons is the amount of worry and stress on my life and my shoulders right now and if you don't have a firm foundation on which you're built you're going to sink you can't stand up under that weight our worries do weigh us down no doubt we all have them but without that foundation you're sunk So what's the foundation on which we have to build? In verse 10, Paul says this. He says, For by the grace God has given to me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Verse 11 goes on to say, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He said, You've got to build on Jesus Christ. There can be nowhere else to go. And I'm telling you today, if your life is not built on Jesus Christ, if it is built on anything other than your relationship with Him, you're susceptible to any storm that comes your way, and eventually you're not going to hold up anymore and you'll be sunk. There is no other building. Foundation that you can build on it has to be Jesus Christ so how do you know which foundation your life is built on kind of so where do you turn when the wind blows if you're wondering am I in the right place some people turn to some kind of substance to take off the edge when the winds come by when the tornadoes hit i'll just I'll just anesthetize myself to the world around me. Some people are going to seek refuge in meaningless relationships. Some people are going to say when the, when the tornadoes come, they're, they're just going to give in to the rage. And some people are just going to surrender in despair and say, you know, whatever it's going to be is going to be. I just give up. Let the world destroy me. But instead, if you'll turn your life to Jesus Christ during difficult times, allow him to be the foundation in your life, you're going to stand strong. The Apostle Peter said it this way in chapter 2, verse 6 in, in First Peter. He said, See, I, say, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's a guarantee that we can stand strong through whatever it is that the storm brings. In Matthew, Jesus said it this way. Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus said, "When you build your life on Me, you can stand. And you stand not just for a day or a week or a month or several years or decades, but for eternity." So make sure your life is built on none other than Jesus Christ. There may be some of you in here today who aren't sure about that. Maybe sure, some of you watching us live streaming. Or you're watching it somewhere in the future as you watch those videos. And we want you to know you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you can know the foundation is firm. That's the first building code requirement. Build on a solid foundation. Second building code requirement is that we must build our lives together with the very best materials. So now we're not talking about just the foundation of Jesus Christ, but what materials do we build our life together and our lives together as the body of Christ? How do we build as first southern with the right building materials, the best building materials? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul goes on to say this, If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If what is burned up, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. In this section, Paul is saying some things about the lasting value of what we do as believers. What we do in ministry. Now... For those of you, which is most of you in here, you've been through our new member seminar. And in our new member seminar, every time I've ever done it, I have said that you are a minister if you know Jesus Christ. So as a part of First Southern, you are a minister. And now, Paul is saying, what you do as a Christian minister even as, not just talking about ordained, but as a layperson in ministry is going to be judged. It's going to have to go through some testing someday. And it will for all of us. And so he says, it is about the quality of the work of ministry that you do. You say, well, I'm not a minister. I don't do any ministry. Right? Beg to differ with you. God says you are a minister. And what you do does count. And God will judge it. And there will be consequences, good or bad. One way or the other. For all of us. Based on what we do in that. And so he says, the work that was 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 some of it will be done with gold and silver. I mean, it's going to be really good work. It's going to be maybe costly to you at the time because gold and silver aren't cheap. But it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be this ministry that's going to be able to last. And then some of it, uh, of maybe some of the work of others or maybe some of yours is like hay or, or straw, he says. And he said, that's not going to hold up very well. You don't want the tornado to hit that because it's going to blow it apart. And so at that point, he says, there's going to be some problems. And he says that our work, our ministry will be tested for every believer. He's not saying just particular class of believers. He said for all of us. He's writing to the church at Corinth who think they know everything. And he's saying, I want to remind you that your work, as in ministry, is going to be tested. And on the final day, the results of the test are going to come in. Eventually, we're going to stand before the throne of God. We're going to stand before the great beam of seat. And we're going to be rewarded for those things that were made out of gold, silver, And we're going to be ashamed of the things that were wood and straw. Because they're going to be burned up. He's not saying at the end of your life that you're suddenly going to be cast into a burning fire. It's not a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment. He's not saying that. He's not saying I'm going to throw you into a great pit of fire when you die. When you die, you're going to go and you're going to be in God's presence. But what you do has already been tested. You know what the fire is? Really, the fire is this life. The fire is what we all go through every day. The fire is how we have to live every day. Where we minister every day. And the fire may not be as great on us right now as it seems to be in churches around the world who are under persecution. But there are still fires of persecution in our life. There are still fires of struggle in our lives. There are still fires of, of family members who don't agree with us and who stand in opposition to us. Of, of cities that don't like churches. Of, of other groups that hate churches. We go through that fire right now, and when we stand before him, we're going to see the results of that because they're going to be revealed in the light. So they're either going to stand, they're going to come out more precious than ever, or they're going to be destroyed, and there won't be anything to look at, really. It'll just be ash. But be assured, every one of us will have that day. It is not the day to say, are you a Christian? Because that's already settled. It is not the day that says, now God says, am I going to leave you here or not? No, that's already settled. You will be in heaven with Jesus Christ for eternity. But it is about what you do here. Because God cares about now as well. You know, the great Baptist mantra is that we were saved to sit. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. You know, me, my wife, us four, no more, I'm good. And we sit down in a pew and we never get up until we go to heaven. I'm going to tell you, God is not thrilled with that plan. That is not biblical. There are nowhere in the Bible God says, hey, sit in a pew. Mark it for yourself, don't let everybody else sit there. I've seen pews in a church, in churches. I saw one church over in California that one of the deacons had his spot, and I got to say it was real close to where, where where Barbara is sitting right now. But it wasn't Barbara. He had a spot, and he had in the in the hymnal rack, he had every bulletin from the church crammed in there. I asked the pastor, what, what is that? And he said, that's Deacon so-and-so's spot. He wants everybody to know it. And I said, why does he take those home or why don't you throw them away? He said, because he will throw a holy fit if we touch him. Wood, hay, and straw. It means Nothing. In ministry, it means nothing in the kingdom of God. And so Paul says, you've got to be careful because there is this time coming and it applies to everyone, not just those in quote unquote ministry, not just to people who are paid to do ministry. It is about all of us. Parents, you are part of that. What you are building into the lives of your children, what are you teaching them, will either be gold and silver, or you're teaching them wood, hay, and straw. You've got to decide which one it is, because one day it's going to be tested. It'll be tested in the lives of your kids, and it'll be judged when you get to heaven. In the lives of your friends... Are you building into their lives? Are you having more influence in their lives than, than anybody else? Do you realize that for your friends, most of them are going to listen to you before they would ever listen to a pastor or to a Sunday school teacher or to, to even to a, a psychologist? They trust you. So what are you building into the life of your friends? Are you building things that are going to lead to gold and and silver? Or are they things that are just going to burn up? And one day you'll stand and see the ashes before God. It applies to everybody. Everybody. That's how our lives are to be lived. I used uh, this quote from from Howard Hendricks in our newsletter this week. And you pick one up on the way out if you don't have one, if you didn't get it. And you can sign up on the connecting card to have an email to you every week. But this is what Howard Hendricks, who was a professor of Dallas Theological Seminary for many years before he passed away, said. He said, show me a man... His closest companions, and I will make a fairly accurate guess as to what sort of man he is, as well as what sort of man he is likely to become. Your friends make a difference in your life. And you, as a friend, make a difference in their lives. So what are you building into the lives of your friends? Every day, we're building into the lives of others, And we're building in either that which is going to last for sure or never last at all. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, skipping ahead a little bit in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Generalizing those words. He said, Anyone who's going to to minister into the life of another person the word of God is either, it should be strengthening them, should be encouraging them, and should be bringing comfort to them. So are you strengthening, are you, are you encouraging, are you comforting those who are your friends? Not just your fellow members, and you should be doing that here in, our, in the body of Christ, but you should be doing that with your friends who are outside as well. Encouraging them to know Jesus Christ if necessary. And we we offer words designed to strengthen and encourage. We're building walls made of gold. Walls that will survive the flames of this life. So when we consider the construction materials that we choose to work with, there are two areas that we need to pay close attention to, that requires our attention. The first one is this. We need to choose carefully those who will influence the direction of our lives. Choose carefully those who are going to influence the direction of your life. Where is it going? Where is it headed? How can it be made better? How, what are things that you maybe want to give up? Whatever it might be. And we can't always control the noise, can we? We can't control who's going to try to speak into our lives. But you know what we can control? We can control a few things. We can control whose voice we choose to listen to, to pay attention to. The noise of voices will always be out there in a whole lot of places, but which ones do we choose to listen to? That's our choice. That's your choice. We can also choose whose voice we're going to heed which voice we're going to follow. If we're listening to it, we might say, okay, but I don't want to, that's not where I need to be headed. I don't believe in God's word. But there are those voices you need to follow. And we can can choose whose advice we're we're going to consider and whose example that we're going to follow. So number one, We have to be very careful. When it comes to who will influence you, be selective. Be choosy. Be real selective when you do that. Second thing, we need to pay close attention to how we influence the direction of other people's lives. How do we impact the direction of others' lives? Be aware of the lessons that you teach with your words and with your attitudes and with your actions. Be aware that if these three aren't consistent, our, our attitudes and our actions uh, and, and our words, if they're not in conjunction with each other, then we're building straw houses. We're helping other people build straw houses because they're watching us. They're listening to you and they're deciding how to build and if you're not giving them the best building materials they're going to end up with straw houses that are not going to stand albert schweitzer said this he said example is not the mo- is not the main thing in influencing others he said it's the only thing people are watching you believers people are watching the people here at first southern They're watching what you do, what you say, how you act, how you live, the choices you make, the places you go. They're paying attention. Your neighbors are watching. Your friends are watching. They're saying, please help me know how to build my life. And if all you're giving them is wood, hay, and straw, you're saying, go ahead and build something that's not going to last for eternity. But you can say, Okay, if you're going to pay attention to me, I'm going to give you gold and silver. I want you to watch my life, and I want you to know where you can build a strong foundation on Jesus Christ, and I want you to build things that are going to last for eternity. That's our choice to make. And so because of that, we need, when it comes to who you will influence, be cautious Not be cautious of who the person is, but be cautious of your life. Be cautious of how you choose to live, how you choose to help them build their life. Because you may be the only example they have of Jesus Christ. So be cautious of that. And if you want to be, as Paul said, God's building, you need to make sure you're using materials that are made to last Third building re- code requirement that we have to fulfill is this. It is that we must recognize the sacred nat- nature of this relationship. The sacred nature of this relationship. And you say, um, what relationship are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about what's, what we're doing right now. What we do every week. What do we do every week as a group? As a church, as for Southern, we do what? We, we worship together. We, we serve together. We learn together. We grow together. We fellowship together. We do all those things and we do them every week. And so we have to understand that those are things that are important. But Paul comes along in chapters in First Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen, and he says this. He says, "But don't you know?" He says. Just so he starts verse sixteen with those three words, "Don't you know?" Now that's interesting because. He uses those same three words, don't you know, ten times in First Corinthians. Ten different times he uses those three words. Every time he uses them, he uses them in a, in a, in a type of, of scolding manner. He's saying, come on, you people at Corinth who think you are so sophisticated, you who celebrate in your intellect... And your knowledge. And you think everything revolves around you. If you know everything, then why don't you know this? And so he keeps pointing out ten times. He says, you think you know everything, but you don't know this, and you should. You haven't figured this out, but you should have. You're not living it out, but you should be. Don't you know? Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple... And that God's spirit lives in you. Underline that phrase. You yourselves are God's temple. It's important to know that the word you there, that you are God's temple, that you is plural, not singular in Greek. We read it and we think, oh, he's talking right to me. But no, he's talking to us. King James translates it, ye. Uh, NIV, NIV says you, yourselves. In the south of our country, they say y'all. That's right. We're Southern Baptists, all, by the way. But not all of us are from the south, and that's okay. But we know what that y'all means. Y'all come. It's, it's, it's just, but it's never singular, it's always plural. It's a, that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, y'all are God's temple. And so when I read that with you here this morning, I'm saying y'all are God's temple because that's what the word of God says. It's not just the singular, I am God's temple, but we together make up the temple of God that y'all, all of First Southern, are God's temple. And he doesn't leave anybody out of that process. He doesn't, he, doesn't just, he doesn't just pick and choose the ones who are going to be in the temple at First Southern. It's a y'all, we're all there. We're all part of God's temple. And, and Paul's saying, you're not just a group of friends that get together to hang out every week or so. Because that's what church is to most people, even Southern Baptists, and I would dare say even people who are members of First Southern. It is just a place to hang out for a couple hours on Sunday morning. And then I go back to my real world, and I face all the struggles and all the tornadoes, and all the weight is on my shoulders, and it never gets lifted. But he says, y'all are. We're in this together. We're in this, and nobody's left out of the equation. We're all part of that in what God wants to do. And so he says, you are all there. And that makes this a sacred relationship. It is a holy relationship that we have with each other and with him. Together we make up more than merely the sum of our parts. We are the whole. This is who we are. Now, you can go to Lowe's or Home Depot and you can buy a few boards. You might spend a couple hundred dollars. Used to be spend like $50 for it, but maybe a couple hundred dollars now. And you take it home. And if you have the skill, what can you do? You can take those bare boards, that wood you purchased. And with the right skills, you can build a beautiful bookshelf that could sell for several thousand dollars. I can't do that, but you some of you could. Some of you are able to do that. And that's the miracle of construction. The whole is worth more than the sum of its parts. The whole of First Southern is worth far, far more to the kingdom than the sum of just me or just you. We look at it and say, how can I do, how can I reach... Valley. How can we make an impact on the Quad City? How can I reach over into Africa? If it's just me, but we're more than just me, and we're worth so much more than it could be if it was just me or you. Uh, and the same thing is, is could be said for individuals. The same said for the church. Individually, we're just a scattered group of wayfaring strangers, but put together, we are the temple of God, and he dwells among us. Now, I grew up in a church. I mean, I remember being in the crying room of the church. I think I was t- 10 years old then. No, I wasn't that old. And But I, I from the time I was born, I was in church, in, Southern, in Baptist churches. and And I knew that that there were places that you could run around and cut loose and have fun as a kid and do all those kinds of things and but there was one place you couldn't do that in that day there was one place where you couldn't bring water or coffee you couldn't you couldn't raise your voice you came in and sat down quietly and did nothing to to disturbed the peace. That place was the sanctuary. This room we're in right now. And every church I've ever attended has had a sanctuary. The place where we come and worship. And we're very conscious of that. But there's other places all around us. There are other rooms and buildings where we can just kind of cut loose and drink coffee and eat donuts and all those kinds of things. But come here. Don't do that. It's sacred. It's the sanctuary. I don't want to burst your bubble. But this room we're in right now, we're in here to worship. But this room is not the sanctuary. It's the people in here that are the sanctuary. And you know what? From 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock it was two rooms behind me and in front of you where people met to study the Bible. That was the sanctuary. Come Thursday night At 6 o'clock, it will be in the fellowship hall when we're in Bible study. That will be the sanctuary. The sanctuary is not a particular room. The sanctuary is where God's people are gathered together, where you all are at. Doing what God has called us to do, being who God has called us to be. That is sanctuary. The sanctuary, and that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying to the Corinthian church and to us at First Southern that we need to be cognizant of where the sanctuary really is. On March the twenty seventh of twenty twenty two, just last year, a year and a half ago now, three quarters of a year, in in a little place. Uh, called Cotton Patch, Arkansas. I don't know if some of you may know where that is. I think I've only been through Arkansas once, maybe, my whole life. But um, I don't know where exactly it is, but it's a small little place. And the Cotton Patch United Methodist Church um, met together on Sunday morning. It's a 110-year-old church, a very historic church. Historic church that had 11 members. 11 people attended at that point. But on that Sunday night, fire broke out and destroyed that historic building. They tried to stop, the the fire department tried to stop it, but actually it was that building and two other buildings that caught on fire. And they had fire engines coming from all around them from other communities, but they couldn't save those buildings. And so on Wednesday a couple couple three days later there was a there was a time when the when the members of the church got together outside and their pastor in talking to the news asking what they were going to do said well we're going to meet in the fellowship hall because it, amazingly it only had some smoke damage but it still stands and he said, the pastor said, See, the building is ashes now, but we're not. They weren't done. And I'll tell you, it rocks your boat when things like that happen. You have to come to a reality check. I have this box of, it's a staples, and actually staples are still in it, a few of them. This was in what would become my office at at uh, Carlton Hill Southern Baptist Church in Santee, California, over in San Diego County back in 1991 when I went there as pastor. And it was all smoke damaged because it had survived the fire. About a third of the building burned down not too long before Barbara and I came to minister there. Our piano, it, the, the sanctuary did not burn the, the worship center this part burned from behind it, but the piano had to, be re- had to be replaced. But that one little box, made out of cardboard, didn't burn. Even though it was in what was going to be my office, it was still there. And so I've hung on to it since 1991, because it reminds me that everything can be ashes, but we're not. We're not... Because the building is the building. The church, the sanctuary is the people. It is y'all. It is who we are and who God has called us to be. If you know someone, if you are someone who are trying to disrupt worship in a church, if you're trying to hinder the Holy Spirit moving and working, if you're trying to keep ministry from taking place and spiritual growth from taking place and fellowship from taking place, then you are a person who has put yourself at great risk. Because God is serious about what might happen. That's why we need to take seriously the sacred nature of this relationship that we have together. Because we together are called to be God's people. God's temple. 1 Corinthians 3.17 to close out today says, For God's temple is sacred and you are. Y'all, I'm sure is what he meant. You are that temple, he said. And that temple is built to last. That temple is will continue no matter what the pressures are no matter what the tornadoes and storms are we will last i don't want to end at that point that when he says when he says if, that per, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred. It's true. But I want to end with another thought that he says. And I, I, I hardly ever tell jokes. I told the people Thursday night at Bible study, I was going to say, number 45, I want everybody to laugh really hard. And then people aren't in Bible study with us on Thursday night will look around and say, what are they laughing about? And they'll just know it was a joke that I told last Thursday night. But there's a story about a man who went to Lowe's to buy lumber. And so we walked up to the clerk and he said, he said, he said, sir, do you have two by fours? And the clerk said, of course we have two by fours. He said, how many do you need? He said, I need a couple of hundred of them. And he said, okay, I just need to ask you one question. How long do you need them? And the man looked at him and he said, I'm going to need them a long time. I'm building a house. That's what the Apostle Paul said about us excuse me, Peter, said about us. 1 Peter 2.5, he says, you also are like living stones and being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's the That is the standard of construction. We are together his holy temple. So let's build our lives together according to the code. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can know the foundation. We can know what the foundation needs to be. We can know who the foundation needs to be. We can know personally the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, since we know that we can be saved, we pray that anyone in the sound of my voice would respond right now. That if these people, if that guy preaching can be saved, then I surely could be too. And maybe they feel like they're so unworthy they can never be saved, but Father, we pray that today the Holy Spirit would convince them otherwise. That it is not about how good they can get It is about the fact that Jesus Christ has already wiped away all the sins that they have ever committed. And that blood that washes away that sins will cover them in his righteousness. And they will be saved. So, Father, we pray for their salvation. And we pray for us as we choose how we're going to build our lives together. Are we going to build with the very best building materials. And are we going to see that as a sacred endeavor? Is that part of our ministry that we're going to buy into? Are we just going to say, I'll take my chances when I get to heaven? What a shame that would be. Father, let us be able to stand before the throne and see the results of the work, the ministry of gold and silver. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. If God's speaking to you, won't you come? Thank you for joining us today for Faith Point. Reach us online at firstsouthernpv.org or stop by to worship with us if you are in the Prescott Valley area. May God richly bless you today as you allow your faith to intersect with your life.